Hey everyone, and welcome back to Fireside Politics. It's just 10 days up until the national presidential election, and a bunch of issues are flaring up all at once. But before we get into campaign finance, the minimum wage, or anything else from the debate a couple of days ago, uh, Steve, what's going on with Rudy Giuliani right now? Dude, Rudy Giuliani has managed to get involved with the most recent Borat movie, and a photo has emerged of him in a hotel room with his hands down his pants in front of Borat's alleged 15-year-old daughter, to which Borat soon after bursts into the room, exclaiming that she is too young for him. <laughs> I think this couldn't have come at a, well, really a better time. I mean, not only, I mean, this just week we saw Giuliani leak to the press this alleged laptop that belongs to Hunter Biden, this MacBook that was, for some reason, which no one has seemed to question, was just at this random computer repair shop in, I, I guess, D.C.? And it was in somehow New York. in New York, and they just one day opened it up and realized that this is Hunter Biden's laptop, and it has a bunch of incriminating emails that then Rudy Giuliani gets his hand on. Link. I mean, I don't know. The whole thing is pretty fucking bat bullshit to me. But you know, it's the icing on the cake when you see, you know, this delightful photo of Rudy maybe getting a little too handsy. Well, speaking of uh, some lovely bullshit at the eleventh hour of the race. Uh, 22 minutes into that debate a couple days ago, Trump had a line where he said that he doesn't have any money issues and could easily outraise Joe Biden. All it would take is a quick little phone call to one of his CEO friends on Wall Street, and he'd outraise him, the likes of which you've never seen before. Uh, but with just 10 days left until the election, polling from OpenSecrets.org, they do great work, by the way. Uh, Biden's finances, they've spent over $1 billion so far on this election. Whereas Trump has only spent $800 million on the election. And it just sort of stood out to me where, you know, as much as Trump says uh, during the debates and other things that he has all this great support, it doesn't really seem to be too organized or to have materialized much for him. Yeah. And I think that's become more and more evident as the week go on. I mean, we've seen Biden's lead now after the vice presidential debate grow from the high single digits to now above the double digits. And there's a lot of conversation around what does that even mean? Does it really even mean anything after the last election where we saw polling having Hillary ahead? And then we have this big upset, of course. But I think the one takeaway is that, you know, people aren't as jazzed about Trump, whether you look at it from polling or whether you look at it from donations. I mean, I don't have the statistics, but Biden is blowing Trump out of the water in terms of the amount of donations that he's had um, he received in the past like two months compared to Trump. And yeah, you know, Trump can, of course, think to himself, oh, I can just call in my, uh, my Wall Street CEOs and they'd give me $200 million to catch up to Biden. But what is that even going to do? I mean, you know, it's just it's just always with him, you know, tit for tat. If Biden's got a million, Trump's got to have his, you know, his ace in the hole, his Wall Street goons to, uh, you know, put him over that mark. You know, beat him by, beat Biden by another billion. Why not? I don't know. It's just, you know, it's just fluff. Couldn't agree more. And Trump's closing message is that, you know, Biden wants to raise taxes and put regulations on everything. And if he's elected, you'll have the biggest depression, the likes of which you've never seen. Your 401ks will go to hell. It'll be a very sad day for this country. But Steve, as I understand it, uh, you've done a little bit of research, and it does sound like a lot of people are a little speculative of Biden turning the economy around. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at it from a business perspective, and 
you never want to play into uncertainty. I think it was the CEO of BET, the Black Entertainment Network, came out and said that he would rather stick with the devil that he knows than go with the devil that he doesn't. So, you know, from a big money perspective, you know, they know what to expect with Trump. Granted, you have the crazy amount of tweeting that he does, the volatility from that, that impacts the market. I mean, it is still, it's, it's what's known. It's what we've gotten used to. Biden, on the other hand, he talks about raising the corporate tax rate, instituting maybe some form of universal health care, or upending the pharmaceutical industry you know, the changes he's making with regards to the environment. All these things are big uncertainties in almost every sector of the economy. And, you know, to a Wall Street perspective, you know, that that's risk. That being said, though, you know, you, I, I will say that there are quite a few of these other guys, I'm thinking Ray Dalio off the top of my head, but I think they've come out and they've really, you know, for more of a, I'll say, humanitarian perspective, put the money to the, to the side, and, you know, they, they're voting more with their conscience than their wallet. So, I don't know. You know, I think it's mixed across the board, you know, and I, it's it's a nail biter, Nick. I got to be honest with you. I mean, let's let's talk about it. Let's just turn a little bit back to the bait and talk about tone. I mean, it was certainly more civil than the first one. That is black, you know, black and white between those two. But, you know, Nick, was this the debate that you wanted? I mean, we go in with this premise of the microphone being muted and, you know, we don't know how that's going to impact things. But w- quickly, what did you think? What's your impression? Was there a winner? Was it an interesting? Was it a debate? It was actually a debate this time, which I loved. It really did feel like, as you were saying, uh, like they completely turned a new page. Like this really did feel presidential in a way. And they got their points across. And, you know, you can make fun of Trump for making stuff up or overinflating it. And you can give Biden crap for forgetting his numbers and saying 2 million, 1 billion buildings, which doesn't even make any sense in the actual transcript when you read it. But I think both of them did a very good job. One of sort of forcing the audience to question some assumptions around, you know, for example, Biden with the minimum wage, uh, where Trump is like $15 minimum wage doesn't make sense across the country. It should be at the state level for states to decide. And I think that sort of gets to the crux of their entire platforms, really, where Biden is pushing for a lot of federal intervention across environmental, economic, and uh, political institutions in this country, whereas Trump is saying uh, the federal government should stay out. It should be in the hands of the states. Yeah. And yeah, to your point, I mean, that's playing, you know, the Republican message. But I think it's interesting to think, though, you know, we really haven't seen Trump play that up that much. I mean, he considers himself a Republican, but we've seen so much. I mean, and now that we're getting closer to the election, we've seen a lot of Republican senators even begin to, to distance themselves from from Trump. I mean, no, you know, most notably is um, wow, I, I had his name and now it's blanked. But um, hey, no worries. I think just in general, um, you could apply that across the board. Where you know, when Trump was running as a disruptive candidate in 2016, it's very easy for, easy for him to go ahead and point the finger and paint the federal government as the main problem that needs to be dealt with. Uh, But this time, he can't do that. He can't turn around and say the federal government is worthless, it doesn't do anything good, because he is the federal government, he's running the show. So he has to sort of say, oh, the federal government's doing a great job, I could have easily had it do a bad job, but I made it do a really good job. Even so, we need to reduce its size, we need to get rid of these regulations or whatever, because, you know, a lot of people are hurting economically. And the answer uh, to COVID isn't 
to introduce all these tough regulations, especially on small businesses. Well, you know, okay, so Mitt Romney, that was the name that I had. <laughs> but okay, all right, so you talk about the small businesses. Um, you know, Trump doesn't want to mandate masks. He doesn't want to postpone the opening up because of the small businesses in America. But, you know, it's not good for business to have COVID, regardless of whether you're open or not. I mean, I've seen this. I was recently down in Charleston, South Carolina, which was at the time one of the more, I'll say, liberal states with their interpretation of opening up. And it was like black and white since the last time I was there. So many restaurants and businesses have gone out because, not just because they were forced to close, it's because it's bad business to get COVID. So many restaurants opened up only to shut down again because one of the servers or chefs would get COVID. And that destroys small businesses. So it's the risk. And, you know, he can come out and say, oh, it's in everyone's best interest to open up. But at this point, you know, I don't want to get into the political message of, because this has unfortunately become so political, but it's like, you know, really, man? I mean, he's just sticking with the same narrative because at this point, you know, he's dug himself into a hole that he can't, he can't change his narrative because his whole persona has been that he's always right. So if he hmm. goes back now and really caters his message to say, no, maybe I messed up, even when it leaked with him coming out about how deadly the virus was back in February, he still he never really acknowledged it. He never, he still owned that he had always been in the right. So a bit of a tangent, but I, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't change much to me at least. Yeah, that's very fair. And uh, since we're giving Trump a hard time, I'd also like to give Biden a hard time because even though a lot of people say that he did a great job on uh, addressing COVID early on and that this is one of his better debate showings, um, in his closing argument of why you should vote for him, why you should even be bothered, he said, we're going to grow the economy deal with systemic racism, create millions of jobs through clean energy, and that the character of the country is on the ballot. And we're going to make sure that everyone has a chance, which under Trump, he claims no one's had for the past four years, and that opportunities have gone down. Um, but the one thing that wasn't in there was the immediate concern of COVID. And you know, granted, they addressed it early in the debate, but still, I feel like it was um, a major missed opportunity to actually close and say, Hey, here right now, because because all that other stuff in the long run, you know, I'm sure it'll be great. But as uh, John Maynard Keynes once said, in the long run, we're all dead. So <laughs> since the election's in 10 days, uh, around like 12 or 13, when the debate, 12 days uh, from when the debate was, I think he really should have pulled it back to reality, to our current situation. And COVID is the singular issue that everyone's talking about, whether you're a small business, whether you're in hospitality, whether you're in transportation, whether you're in energy, whatever right. you're in, that is the defining factor of how everything's changing right now. So I think it was a major oversight to not address it uh, from either candidate in their closing uh, statements. Well, I would agree. I mean, you know, they opened up talking about it and... I guess, you know, to your point, that is that is interesting. I mean, we know what Trump would do if he were elected again, you know, what the what the whole remainder of the quarantine would look like. But with Biden, it's certainly a bit more unknown. You know, he I'm not gonna say he's cast doubt on the virus or on the vaccine. I think he's been more hmm. realistic. You know, Trump is obviously making these claims that it'll be available by the end of the year, which is practically here. Yeah. And we have no virus yet. But I do want to call out though that Biden did talk to the coronavirus in regards to a dark winner. Like we're going into fucking Game of Thrones here. And he and, and with that, he was just hinting at the fact that, you know, there is no clear plan on the table. And he was being realistic. There's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. 
To which Trump, of course, comes out saying, I don't know if we're going to have a dark winter at all. We're opening up the country. We've learned and studied and understand this disease. You know, he's goddamn immune. So he's got the best generals, the logistics general who's going to ship it out in like a day. Right. But, you know, to your point, looking at those two remarks, you know, with Trump, he's talking about what we're going to do. We're going to open up the country. We, we studied, we understand the disease. We can handle this. Biden, on the other hand, it's going to be bad. You know, the situation is not good. We don't know when we're going to get a vaccine. You know, yeah, I think- it, it, it creates uncertainty. And, you know, if I, you take everything off the table and if you just look at it from COVID as being the singular issue, you know, I don't know. Biden hasn't really distinguished himself. He's just, you know, the one who's going to be doing it the right way. Well, what is the right way, Biden? I don't know. I've never dealt with a pandemic. I'm not saying that you need to have all the answers, but if you're running for president, you might as well have a goddamn plan. You're totally right. And I think uh, since you're talking about uncertainty, and that really is a big, uh, big thing in people's lives, whether you're a business, whether it's sending your kids to school or, or what have you, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And I think both candidates really fall flat um, on this issue where, you know, Trump it's uncertainty because you can't believe what he says. He says, oh, we're going to be fine by Easter. And then he keeps pushing it back every couple of weeks. And it's like, really, dude, just tell us what you're actually thinking. Like, stop, stop just delaying this bullshit project of yours. Um, right. But for Biden, it's uncertainty because all he says is, oh, we're going to listen to the scientists. And maybe he'll cite one or two things. But that's only his only real message is, I'll listen to the scientists. I don't know. A cl- I don't have a clue myself. But you know what? We're going to listen to those experts. And it's like, really? Is that that assuring? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's really uh, ringing um, too impactful uh, for me. Whew. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to unpack everything here. I mean, there's just so much. I mean, you know, it comes back to to the fact that, and I feel like Biden ran on this maybe more so at the beginning of his campaign, but it was what, always the small just, windows. Oh my god! All right, all right. The you small know what? windows. We, we cannot do this and not talk about the small windows. You know, I am. You know, my confidence in Biden is shaken. You know, I don't know. Trump brings up this war on windows that Biden is at the forefront of leading us all to. I mean, Nick, can you imagine living in a world where we have no windows? I mean, this is this is a picture of Biden's America. And you know what? I don't know if I want to be a part of it. It's godless. It's satanic. It's downright inhuman. It's inhuman. I mean, between this and Biden's grab at destroying the oil industry. <laughs> well, know, to the, be fair. The America that I know is being swept away from me. Even more so than the oil industry, though. Let's talk about the corn industry. I mean, Chuck Grassley tweeted out a couple days ago that when, quote, Biden plans to get rid of the oil industry, that also means the same for ethanol and biodiesel. And I think this really wraps it up where the senators, the members of Congress are all really grasping at straws to try to, like, sling mud at the very last second to say, here's why you should vote for our guy instead of the other guy. Um, But ultimately, I think most people have already made up their minds. And despite both candidates having very good showings a couple days ago, ultimately, I don't think it changed very much about this election. I agree. I mean, people have made up their mind. Again, there was nothing new that either of these candidates said that night that really we haven't heard before. And as we've already seen, I mean, what, 50 million people have already cast in their mail-in ballots. The American people have already decided to a large extent. So, Nick, it's going to be, as I said before, a nail-biter next 10 days, but we're finally coming up to this. I mean, I remember when we started this journey, 
with our brief series, Candidates in Review, our Candidate Spotlight. And quickly, it seemingly as as soon as we would do a spotlight on someone, they would drop out of the race, which is really just astounding. But dude, everyone, Bloomberg, uh, Bernie, literally dropped oh. out the week we we put together oh that pod. God. Same thing with Bloomberg, and same thing with uh, I think we were planning on doing Klobuchar, and then she literally dropped the day we were going to record. Already so dropped. I think uh, if anything, the viewers can tell a lot if we decide to drop a profile on one of the candidates, Trump or Biden in the next 10 days. I think that'll decide decide the year. Well, you know, Nick, I like to try to stay in the center as uh, obviously I tend not to, I suppose. <laughs> so maybe we won't, maybe we won't try to influence the election in the small way that we can, but... Hey, we could team up with Russia and Iran. Oh my God. Another hot topic. Another I mean, hot topic, but I mean, maybe it's, for it's, another day. It may be for another day, but you know, just a back, you know, we've we've been at we've been covering this journey since almost the beginning, and here we are in the final stretch. Mud's being slung. I mean, I don't know how much hotter it can get these next ten days. You know, uh, you know, close your doors, just stay inside. You know, God knows what's going to happen. I mean, and then you know, the the, the million dollar question: What actually happens on election day? Um, and you can tune right in uh, because we will be out covering it. And we'll bring that to you. Uh, you'll be the first to hear what's going on in our nation's capital on November 3rd. We'll see you all there. <laughs>